It's feeling right in here tonight. Praise God. If you would be so kind, I, I would like to uh, direct our attention to 2 Samuel chapter 24. And uh, I want to begin in that 24th verse, reading through verse 25. I want to say a great big thank you to Pastor and Sister St. Clair and this wonderful church family. Two years was too long for me. I don't know about you all. And, and uh, I, I'm telling you, it, it, it seemed like an eternity. And, and I, got, I got giddy. I got, I got itching feet. And I know you find that hard to believe. In fact, in fact I, I was watching a little bit of the service Sunday night, the last part of it. And I thought, my God, that preacher's crazy. <laughs> I mean, how do you all put up with that? I just... I, I told my wife, I said, that guy is crazy, whoever he is. And, and, uh, but, but thank you for helping me. I, I believe that God has spoken to me. I, I really do. God got a hold of me yesterday, and I, I'm going to say some things here tonight that I feel in the Holy Ghost. And uh, just, just help me. I, I believe the best part of this service is to come. So let, let's hear what the Spirit would say unto the church, shall we? 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. And the king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach a while tonight about altars of relationship. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. For us to fully understand these last two verses of the 24th chapter of 2 Samuel, you got to begin at the first part of that chapter. You find that David, for whatever reason, I, I don't know Bible scholars, I have looked, uh, I have searched, uh, and I cannot find exactly uh, why God told uh, David not to number uh, Israel. Because I find in Numbers 1 uh, that he allowed Moses uh, to count the children of Israel, uh, every tribe uh, except the tribe of Levi. I find uh, that Joab had talked to David, uh, so it must have been known. There was something uh, that had been said maybe by a prophet uh, or a seer of that day uh, that said, don't count Israel. Uh, I, I don't fully know. I've looked for it, uh, but I can't find it. Uh, but I want you to know that something uh, in David uh, rose up that said, uh, let's count Israel. Uh, let's see how many is here, uh, how many I have uh, that I can put in my army. Isn't it amazing that Joab, captain of his host, said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I want us to remember Joab. I'm not through with Joab yet. 
but it may be a while before you hear about him again. I want you to know that Joab and the men, they counted, they took the senses of Israel. They were nine months and 20 days counting from Dan to Beersheba. And they came up with 800,000 men in Israel and 500,000 men in Judah, giving us 1.3 million men who draw the sword. 1.3 million. What is it about numbers that does something to us as humans? What is it about the arm of flesh if it's sufficient? Or we think it is. What am I trying to say? I want to ask you, uh, when do you pray the most? You're not hearing me here tonight. I said, when do you pray the most? Uh, Is it when somebody's sick uh, and you're afraid they're going to die? Or the families well. Uh, what about when I can't meet the bills uh, and there's no food on the table? Uh, I want to tell somebody uh, that shouldn't be uh, what decides uh, whether we pray or not. My God, somebody help me here. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about an altar where we find God when I got money and when I don't. When I got an army and when I don't. Prayer is who we are. I said prayer is who we are. That's what we are as children of God. Prayer warriors. Isn't it amazing that that David said, I have sinned. I have sinned. I really don't find the reason except he just counted Israel and Judah. And yet some of you, it's got to be in black and white. If the pastor don't preach it, I ain't going to live it. Some of you ain't going to live it if he does preach it. Somebody tell me what's wrong with counting the census. Just counting. Somewhere God said don't do it. I'm telling some people in this house, if God spoke to you, you better leave it alone. I'm telling somebody, I believe I heard from God. I'm preaching to somebody. If God said don't do it, don't do it. I don't care if everybody else is. David, leave it alone. 
Folks, we got to have a man of God in our life. Oh, we ought to be on our feet. Don't make me think you're a disobedient David in this house tonight. David was a man after God's own heart. Who are you? I said David was a man after God's own heart. But what happened when he sinned? We go to verse 13 of that particular chapter. And the word of God tells us. So God came to David and told him and said unto him. How did he do it? Through a prophet called Gad. I don't care if you are a man after God's own heart. You still got to have a preacher and a prophet in your life. So that when you go wrong. He can look you in the eye and say you've done wrong. My God, elders, if you see me going wrong, please help me. Look me in the eye. Don't let me go on my erroneous way. He was king, but he still needed a preacher in his life. You're never too high. You're never too holy. That you don't need a man of God in your life. And he still had to preach her. So pray tell me. How you going to make it on your own? I said how you going to do it? I won't tell somebody. I don't care if you're sitting in these pews or running them cameras. When I get through here tonight and you've heard from God. You better hit this altar. Because God's talking to somebody in his house tonight. I said God's talking to somebody in his house. I want you to know that God has given us a five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pre-pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints. The work of the ministry. And the edifying of the body of Christ. you got to have a preacher. Put that back up there. So Gad came to David and told him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land, or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies 
while they pursue the ark, there will be three days pestilence in thy land. Now advise. What makes you think you'll get by? I don't find where it was adultery or fornication. Or just simply counted some folk. Somebody saying, I'll do it my way. I don't care what God said. God, I feel now, I feel this. Somebody hear me tonight. What did David say? What's verse 14 say? And David said unto Gad, I am a great straight, let us fall now into the hand of the Lord. I'm telling somebody, uh, you better take your rebellion to the altar tonight. <laughs> you better humble yourself uh, and say, my God, uh, I can't make this decision. Uh, you gotta do it for me. Uh, all I know is I've sinned uh, and I need you tonight. What happened? Three days of pestilence. And by the time the three days was over, 70,000 individuals had lost their lives. I want to declare here tonight that you and I will not get by with sinning and it not affect somebody else. I'm, oh God. I'm telling some mom and daddy, you better get in this with all your heart. I'm preaching to some young person, you better fall in love with God. You, you need a relationship with God that was formed at an altar. Lift your hands all across this house. Come on, church. Come on, mom and dad. Come on, young people. Verse 18 reveals unto us that the prophet looked at David and said, if you want to get right with God, you need to build an altar. And folks, what it took for David, it till takes today. I want to tell somebody, I'm scared when saints are afraid of the altar. Oh, too many say, uh, they'll wonder what I've been doing. Uh, I want to tell somebody, uh, I question your relationship uh, with God uh, when I never see you uh, at his feet. Yeah. 
So I've come to declare tonight if you and I are going to be right with God, there will be altars that we build in our lives. Sunday morning I talked about building an ark but on Wednesday night we're building altars in this place oh somebody needs to get back to building an altar of relationship with God God, I feel Brother, I felt this pressed on my heart yesterday and today. Isn't it amazing that the first altar we read of was built by Noah, then by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, true individuals of God, were altar builders. And I'm telling somebody what it took for them. It still takes in 2020. You know what's happened to Pentecost? We've gotten away from the altar. We like the juking and the jiving, the good music, the wonderful singing. But tonight, God's calling us back to building an altar. The altar of burnt offering was placed in front of the entrance to the tabernacle. I think instead of the altars necessarily being up here, we need to put it in front of the doorways. Because this altar declared that entry into the presence of God must be preceded by sacrificial atonement for sin why do we walk in here and it's all bound up because of all the junk we've taken in on the day before we walk through the door and some of us don't understand why the pastor says meet me in the prayer room oh God somebody help me I'm telling somebody, uh, a prayer room uh, is the greatest room uh, within the house of God uh, as far as I'm concerned. My God, it'll change everything. Uh, It will do first things uh, first. Atonement. They're going to help me out here. Atonement, put it on the screen. The act by which God restores a relationship of harmony and unity 
When you walk in and your mind's a million miles away from God, you're going to have good church, ain't you? Your pastor or bishop could preach a masterpiece. Atonement restores a relationship of harmony and unity between himself and human beings. And the word can be broken into three parts which express this great truth in simple but profound terms. Look at atonement, but break it up into at one man. So brother, how do we get there? Real simple. At the altar. I'm preaching to somebody. If we've ever had altars in our lives, we need them today. My God, I'm against us being on the phone. But my God, if you'll call this precious lady and put your name on that 24-hour prayer meeting, I'll give you the chance and the opportunity right now. Because I promise you, it's going to change us in this revival. Somebody help me here. I'm preaching to somebody about the need of an altar. I got to hurry, I know. I done lost some of you. True deliverance comes from altar building. Some of you have allowed the enemy to get an advantage on you. Those secret sins that nobody else knows about. I'm giving you the answer to it today. My God, we live in a perverted world and our minds are warped. Brother Shepherd, what am I going to do? How am I going to get it out of my head? At the altar. God, I wish somebody would help me here. A therapist can't do it. A counselor can't do it. But if I have to, I'll start singing about the blood again tonight. What can wash away my sin? What can change my mind? God's talking to somebody in this house tonight. I want to help somebody here. 
Most of our young people in here and our older folk too, if you've been in Pentecost, you ought to be able to quote Acts 2.38. And probably most of it, if I said Deuteronomy 6 and 4. But let me give you one to write down in your little black book that will help keep you safe from the Old Testament. It's Exodus 29 and 37. We need this one on the board. Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar. By God, in some you can't even pray seven minutes. No, but some of you can go on a seven-day cruise. Lost as a goose in a hailstorm. And you'll go to your pastor and say, let's go in your office and have counsel. I want to tell somebody. You want to be fixed? You want your mind and your heart clean and pure? I challenge somebody to say, I'm tired of the sin and the vices. Some of you can't get off of porn. Some of you can't get off of alcohol and meth and all the mess. God, I wish somebody would help me here. Why don't you tell your boss, uh, I'm going to take a vacation. I believe your pastor let some of you lock yourself up in here. You know why? Because some of you like what you're dealing with. God, I'm preaching to somebody here. I'm telling somebody, if you want to get free from sin, here's the answer. Seven. I wonder what would happen uh, if some of us uh, would start praying right now uh, and say, God, uh, I'm not leaving here uh, until you change me. How am I going to get off the porn? He can't do it for you. This is a good man. If he could, he would. Now, there's some things uh, you'll only conquer at an altar. I know I'm getting a lot of good Baptist nods here, but seven days. Make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it. Get set apart. And it shall be an altar most holy. Because the scripture said, whatsoever. Yes. 
Somebody needs to mark this down. You need to read this. You need to memorize it. You need to get it in your being. For whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. Come on, somebody. You want your mind pure? You want your heart clean? Touch the altar. Too many of us, uh, we don't want to touch it. Uh, why? Uh, we like what we're living with. God, I got a bunch to preach here tonight. Uh, come on, I ain't stopping this altar call because uh, we got some folks uh, that need uh, what God uh, is saying unto the church tonight. Come on, young people. Come on, moms and dads. My God, we need to fill this space. God, I feel it. Some of you are going to die and go to hell if you don't touch the altar. Why? Because holiness has never become a part of your life. Come on, church. Somebody needs to cry out to God. This is more than just now I lay me down to sleep. Somebody needs to touch the altar. somebody bring your rebellion bring your disobedience to the altar tonight you want your mind cleansed touch the altar by God wrap your arms around it
Oh, God. Some of you he's given counsel to. You need to obey God tonight. Some of you need to wrap your arms after this is over with around your pastor's neck and say, my God, don't let me be lost. Don't leave until you touch it. 